the Amazonization, you mentioned that. I am big on consumer health, the aggregation of data and customer experience on the one hand, and then the aggregation of capabilities and services on the other hand, and the match, that marketplace concept, and uh, and being able to offer an array of an a la carte of options, whatever is the service type, whatever is the care type, then it's either an in-person or it's virtual. You know, the marketplace concept envisioning that, that is the future dream, that is the future vision. Digital acceleration is here. Health systems are walking the path, but are they in the right direction? Welcome to Patient Journey Pioneers, roadmaps from the top digital leaders in healthcare who share insights and strategies that are pushing the patient journey to new heights. This podcast is brought to you by Hiro, and I'm your host, Liat Kosuch. Okay, so hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Patient Journey Pioneers. Today, I'm very honored to host Suja Chandra, who is one of the most innovative leaders in healthcare. She was recognized as one of the top 25 women leaders in healthcare by Modern Healthcare and one of the top innovative leaders by Becker's Healthcare. She's also a healthcare, retail, and tech executive uh, and board member. Wow, Suja, it is a very big honor to have you on today. Thank you. Thank you, Liat. Thank you for having me. And uh, a very good morning, good afternoon to everyone. So Suja, we have a lot to talk about today, mainly about the digital patient experience and everything that that entails. But first, let's backtrack and have you share a brief timeline of your journey because you span across so many industries. The mic is yours. Liat, my journey is, uh, I started my career as a software engineer. So it started in tech, but pretty soon my focus turned into a business technology role. So... I have been part of consumer-centered industries for the most part of my career, whether it is in retail, in direct-to-consumer models, in uh, in B2C, D2C models around the world, global, very large, massive companies. Uh, I've also been part of brands where we design, manufacture, supply chain, manage the supply chain, and and take the products in different uh, in different models, B2B2C. Sometimes also these companies do D2C. So I've always been in touch, in a very close and acute touch with the consumer, their needs, their access, their convenience, their personal preferences. And that industry has changed quite a bit. The consumer has driven us in, in, and asked for certain things. So that's why when I started focusing on healthcare, both from a pharmacy side as well as from a provider side, it has been exciting to me because those industries are rapidly consumerizing. Still, it's a long way to go. And we will touch on that, but uh, it's just such a thrill to to be part of the healthcare industry. As you know, I also sit on boards, and my boards reflect my backgrounds in a very customer, consumer-centered retail, supply chain, digital supply chain, as well as healthcare, uh, pharma, and, uh, and and other boards. I'm I'm thrilled to be here. I have so many questions that come up. And so little time, but we'll try to stay focused today. So Suja, I think we should start with asking you about the basics of patient-centered care. Let's start with that, and then we'll leave in the rest of our questions. So the this is the interesting part, right? The very basics of what one would look at. Other industries did that maybe 15, 20 years ago. And of course, in different levels of maturity. I'm talking about 
you are searching for a provider from, I mean, always start the journey from the perspective of the consumer, the, per, the person, the caregiver who is looking or searching for a certain particular care type. Maybe they just have the flu. Maybe they just need a vaccine shot. Maybe they, or maybe they have a, a much more serious comorbidity or a, some kind of a chronic condition. And, um, and still it's those kinds of searches are sort of a hit and a miss. Sometimes it's directed by your payer. Sometimes you're Googling online and it's still not uh, as frictionless as one would like it to be or not, not as easily accessible. And so you, you are then able to find your right care provider. And then based on the right care provider, you're able to engage with them and access their appointment schedules. And that's sort of another major friction point. Um, and, and just get the appointment. I mean, I can work with this time. You can work with this time. And you don't have to call and wait on the phone. And I, you know, I'm talking something very basic. And, uh, and, and and get the appointment schedule. Be able to get your information and your paperwork. It's the proverbial. All of us are picking up, uh, writing paperwork every time. And it's the same information. But you do that online, your, your payer information. And then you go to get your care and you come home. And there's follow-up, whatever is a prescription. So I'm talking about that simple, basic journey. But in the most simplest and frictionless form, which is still not there with many providers. It's still not consumable by many patients or caregivers. So just, um, I will start with that. Let's get that basic. And I will add to that uh, maybe a basic triage. Do I even need to go and products such as yours and everybody has implemented uh, triage products, whether they built it themselves or bought it. Basic triage products, what should I do? And if I put the symptoms and the chatbot tells you, so just, Think of the basic journey. That's where I would start. Mm, it's interesting. Starting at the basics, that's what we need in healthcare. I mean, the rest of the industries have kind of mastered that. One of our previous guests from Interbound said, I want to become the Amazon of healthcare. So it's this theme that we're seeing evolve, but healthcare is not like quite there yet. Thank God we have people like you to, to lead and pave the way to streamline this journey and make it more smooth. How do you see this theme evolve in health systems? What should patients expect? So that's that's where I would go, right? So I described the basics. The the next iteration, as the, as one leads a, a provider side health organization or any healthcare a payvider organization, would be start infusing omni-channel capabilities. Maybe you have an integration partnership with a retail pharmacy or your own pharmacy, and and so there is a prescription refill capability that you have set up, or maybe there is a diagnostics that can get home to get their sample diagnostics. To draw samples going home is not a new feature. It's existing, but it's just not as integrated and it's not as fluid. So start infusing the Domni channel that we are all so expecting and using in other categories of our lives. Start infusing Omni channel, and that takes a mindset shift, right? Because we are used to that inpatient. Telemedicine, virtual health is your classic Omni channel, right? Um, and so, where and the appropriateness the acuity levels that are appropriate for virtual care. So continue that and virtual care across different varieties, not just the, the urgent care, but, but really just all categories of urgent care, primary health. So, uh, and, then, and then within the hospital, the health at home. Um, so drive omni-channel. So that's, that would be sort of the next thing I would, I would look at. Then price transparency, that's got to work, right? It's not just because 
uh, CMS is regulating it, but it's price transparency. That's the other thing we got in the retail is that we just could compare price on these aggregation platforms. So I'm really sort of building blocks up in terms of starting with the basics and work your way up. Um, and then the, and really drive on metrics, which I know your product focuses on quite a bit. Metrics are still not very, very crisp and clear at different points in the journey and drive operational campaigns. Just because I put out a website, people are not going to show up. I do need to drive that campaign and drive that engagement with the patients. So that's, that's one tranche. And then the next tranche, start driving business models, right? It's not just, it's not just that I have access. Now I can really look at different business models and some other things. I've done in my past is to work with our partners in looking at uh, tertiary care or quaternary care. There are people in rural areas that cannot access a second opinion or a third opinion or, or really just get flown over to different locations and engage with them and, and digitize all of those because those business models exist in a very friction way with pen, paper, phone calls, and, and a lot of wrangling. So now make it simpler and, and, and the technology is really just an enabler. The whole business model built on top of that, that that would be really where we would need to go. And as a part of that, I will I will say this, the Amazonization, you mentioned that. And uh, I am big on consumer health. And, uh, and, and if you look at other platforms, the aggregation of data and customer experience on the one hand, and then the aggregation of capabilities and services on the other hand, and the match, and those have played a big part in how consumerization scaled in those other industries. So that marketplace concept and uh, and being able to offer an array of an a la carte of options and, and just depending on whatever is the acuity, whatever is the service type, whatever is the care type, then it's either an in-person or it's virtual. You know, the marketplace concept envisioning that, that's, that, is, uh, that is the future dream, that is the future vision. And you said the word future, so I have to ask, what's on the horizon? Where do you see all this evolving? And you know, you'll you'll answer this pretty soon. But how do you also see AI play a role in broader healthcare? If you could touch on that, AI is absolutely. I look at healthcare as a massive body of data. Every industry has data, and in particular, healthcare is a corpus of data. You've got patient information and patient information comes in in different shapes, sizes, and forms. The biomedical equipment is spewing out information. There is consumer information. There is genomics information. There's phenotypical information. There is regulatory information. There is just life sciences. If you'll start all the way from life sciences, drug discovery, clinical trials, all the way to complete care provisioning and the full loop, that whole spectrum is data. And that data and infusing data, and, and if I were to speak from a provider as per perspective, um, we look at data from uh, three major angles, or three, maybe four. Number one is uh, clinical. That was sort of, uh, that is sort of the most difficult, but certainly scaling up rapidly in many cases. So I was at the RSNA, the largest flagship radiology event in the country. I was there last week. And uh, it was just, I would say, and, and I was in particular looking for AI, and maybe my metric is off here or that, but 60% of the events spoke about AI. This isn't a, a radiology event. The images and the volume of images created per exam, compare that with the number of radiologists that are in the country. One uh, radiologist quoted that 
roughly per capita, each radiologist has to examine 3 million images per year. That is unbelievable. Wow. And they are burnt out and they're burnt out. They're, so, and, and the radiologists have embraced AI as an assistant. They are willing to embrace it. So it's still an early part of the hype cycle. So definitely AI in clinical care, sepsis predictions, no-show predictions. So there's a lot of clinical use cases. Then there is administrative use cases, right? Scheduling, nurse scheduling, um, time management. So there's a lot of administrative use cases. And then there's operational use cases, such as revenue cycle um, and, and other several real estate planning. And so there's tons of operational use cases. And of course, the personalization use cases. Let's not forget that, which is a space your company focuses on. So I would say those are the four broader categories and themes. It is beginning to happen, probably. Um, it's interesting. I was at HLTH. There was a little bit more of a lull on AI at HLTH. Sort of we have talked about it, bit of a shiny object. And then I, I go to RSNA. It was just, yes, AI, let's go. It's, it was a much more positive momentum at RSNA. So I'm hopeful. I'm very positive that it will be embraced. But let's talk about risks whether it is for the patient journey or for adopting AI, there are some fundamental risks. So I will tell you there is internal mindset changes that has to happen. The, the patient no-shows on scheduling, and if they schedule it online, they didn't put so much vesting best, of time into it. So what if they don't, don't show? Uh, or, or physicians, and they manage their time very carefully, and just drawing them in and creating that pull and the wantingness for them to be able to offer up their schedules online. So mindset changes, very important to respect regulatory environments, the HIPAA, the privacy, what can be personalized, what cannot be personalized. This is the regulated in, regulated industry and a very highly complex one that, uh, that affects. So we've got to be, we've got to follow the law while at the same time continue to push the envelope within the law and regulations, how can you personalize? And uh, and the digital equity, that worries me always. The digital equity is across the board. It's definitely on the patient consumer side. Rural access, lack of rural access, lack of certain income demographics. These can be managed and must be managed, but also it's on the inside with the providers. Not all providers are equipped and ready to jump on digital, so we cannot leave them behind. So the digital equity worries me. And the biases, AI biases have to be watched out. I, I mean, the oximeter story always is gut-wrenching to me, right? The AI and the oximeter where uh, people of color, there was inadequate data. So people of color had inflated ratings of blood oxygen. And, and at the time of peak COVID, we were relying on that quite a bit. So there are real risks and challenges along the way. But I'm confident I think we can we can move the needle forward. That answered my question. I was going to ask you why, what is it so hard in healthcare as opposed to other industries to really implement change? And you touched upon many, many of the answers that I hear a lot from our guests that makes healthcare a bit more complicated with the protocol in place, with the mindset that isn't quite there yet. And it's interesting, you know, what you think we'll be seeing in five to 10 years from now. Uh, do you think the needle will move by a lot or just by a little at a small and a slower pace? Um, in pockets, it'll move very rapidly, right? Like I am uh, I'm confident, uh, at least after RSNA last week, five to 10 years from now, this will be a significant part as an assist, AI as an assist to help and augment and support the radiologists, cardiologists, oncologists, whatever category where the image 
recognition in the computer vision plays a big role. The um, uh, I, I do believe the experiential part will also move further. There's a lot of startups working in that space. There's a lot of investments happening in that space. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. I'll tell you the one thing that is sort of the fundamental impetus that we need to continue to watch on is the consumer creating the pull. The consumer creating the pull, I, I, I was in the retail industry. There were points at some point, the consumer was ahead of us. The customer was ahead of us. So in a way, there was no other choice, <laughs> right? It wasn't just that we were reacting to our threat environment. Now the customer was voting with her pockets, his pockets. And, and that impetus, we need to keep watching. And that's been kept under under corral by the payers because the payers determine who's getting paid. But the moment the consumers at large, individually and at large, take ownership and drive it, and that, that means critical mass and there's no stopping. The regulators yeah, like get on the train. to engage. Yeah. Yes, the industry will have to engage. No other choice. Seems like the CIO or Chief Innovation Digital Officer has a lot on his or her plate, is at the forefront of kind of the merging between healthcare technology and patient demands. So my second to last question for you is, you walk into a room filled with 100 new Chief Innovation Digital and Information Officers about to enter healthcare. What are some words of advice you'd like to give them? Number one, Stay very, very close and partnered with the clinicians. This has to be clinician-led. It cannot be technology-led. So it has to be clinician-led. Stay very close with the regulators. Stay very close with the operators. Stay very close with your board. So this has to be a collective left, a whole company left, a whole company fight um, in a way. It cannot be led by one individual, one team, one person, one uh, department. The second is um, start small. I mean, this is sort of the basic. Keep the vision of where you could go, what is realistic, what is the what is the appetite for the company in a broader scheme of the company strategy. But keep making small steps, small metrics, keep improving. Uh, that's the second one. And the third is pay very close attention to your talent, your people and the organization. Are, they have to be they are the key to making and driving this transformation or anything in the leadership is it's got to be uh, people first, human first, people first. And whether that applies to patients, consumers, your clinicians, the people you're serving who serve the patients or your own organization, pay very close attention to talent and people. Do you have any specific success story or ideal moment in leadership that others could get inspiration from? The, I, I mean, I will say something certainly that's inspirational to me and, uh, and perhaps others have similar moments, but serving through the pandemic with the providers and just the crisis leading through the enormity of the crisis, unlike anything any of us have, have uh, faced before, leading an organization where uh, we were seeing 20 million patients per year and the big spikes and surges that kept coming at us at the early February, March 2020 timeframe and the quick thinking, the resilient, agile, agile thinking that we had to put in the collaborative work that had to happen and everybody chiming in and jumping in and, and raising hand and people just calling and say, what can I do? 
why, where should I be focused on today and, and real prioritization? Pause everything else, focus on this one thing that needed to be addressed. That at that moment was certainly stressful, but when we look back, it is the most energizing, the most exhilarating moment of leadership. Wow, amazing. Well, Suja, this has been so great, amazing insights. I want to thank you so much for your time. And we hope to have you back in five to 10 years from now to see where healthcare you know, has, has gone and, and how you led the way uh, and your peers. So thanks for all the amazing work you're doing. Thank you, Liat. You have a great day. Thank you for listening to Patient Journey Pioneers brought to you by Hiro. Subscribe to our podcast on your favorite listening platform. See you on our next episode.